Welcome to the Encounter Church Podcast. We believe this message will encourage you as you grow your faith and your relationship with Jesus. Grab your notebook and a pen as we get right into the message. Here we are. We are five weeks into this series that we're simply calling More Than a Story. Let me ask you a question. Are you beginning to put pieces together from God's Word? Are you beginning to find a moment of application, perhaps to a a story that you heard as a child, or maybe, maybe even a story that you're hearing for the first time? The goal of this series is to help the Word of God to come alive, because I believe there's true application. Every story, every adventure, every drama-filled moment can be applied to our lives today. This morning, we're going to move into Genesis chapter 25 through chapter 27. We're going to look at a guy by the name of Isaac. Now, last week, if you remember, we talked about when Isaac was 15 years old and his dad Abraham was challenged by God to take Isaac to a mountain that God would identify for him and sacrifice his son, his 15-year-old son, on that place. Now, how many are thankful this morning that God stepped in? Man, it it speaks so true in in our hearts and lives every day. We face situations, we face obstacles, we face difficult moments, and time after time after time, God is faithful to step into our situations. But here we are, we find Isaac, no longer a 15-year-old boy, but he is now 40 years old and desperately wanting kids of his own. So the Bible says that he pleaded with God on behalf of his wife, Rebecca. Now, here was the problem. Rebecca was unable to have kids. But once again, God steps in on Isaac's behalf. Here's what I realized. And this is what I've titled this morning's message. God has a plan. How many of you would agree that God has a plan? Now, here's the hard thing for us to wrap ourselves around. The plan that God has for us many times is not the plan that we've identified for ourselves. And that can be difficult for us to wrap ourselves around. Why? Because we're limited to what we knew yesterday and what we experienced today. But God is not limited to this moment of time that we're in. But God knows all things. He's part of all things. He created all things. He holds everything in his hands. I want you to know today that God has a plan. In fact, look at your neighbor this morning and say, God's got a plan. Those of you that are listening online today, put that in the chat. Put God's got a plan. Now, this idea, this theme of God having a plan is going to come back time and time again throughout the message this morning. But look what the Bible says in Genesis chapter 25, verse 21 through 23. 21 says this, Isaac pleaded with the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was unable to have children. The Lord answered Isaac's prayer and Rebekah became pregnant with twins. (laughs) I don't know that that was his prayer. I think he said, I want to have a baby, and God says, I got you. Here's two. The Lord answered Isaac's prayer, and Rebekah became pregnant with twins. But the two children struggled with each other in her womb. So she went to ask the Lord about it. 
Why is this happening to me, she asked. Look what it says in verse 23, very interesting statement. And the Lord told her, the sons in your womb will become two nations. From the very beginning, the two nations will be rivals. One nation will be stronger than the other, and your older son will serve the younger son. Now, hold on to that. We're going to kind of talk about this throughout the message this morning, but that became a major issue in the relationship between Jacob and Esau. So here we are. Let's fast forward 20 years. The boys are born, but God's statement still reigns true. One nation will be stronger than the other. Your older son will serve the younger son. Now, that was not typical in that time and in the period of time. The older brother would have been the one to receive the inheritance. He would kind of lead the charge for the family. He would receive the blessing. Yet in this case, God says the younger of the two will lead the way. Now, these two boys were completely different. How many of you, your kids, are completely different than one another? Absolutely. I remember growing up, uh, my brother and I, we always joked and said we had different milkmen because we look completely different than one another. Um, It's odd. As we get older, we look more and more alike. But as kids, people in school, he was only three years older than I am, and people in school did not believe that we were brothers. In fact, they thought that my cousin was my brother's brother and that I was just some, like, oddball out there in the world. Kids can be oftentimes different than one another, and that was the case with Jacob and Esau. Esau was the firstborn. He was the outdoorsman. He was the the rugged hunter. He was covered from birth with a thick coat of hair covering his body. Esau was loved by his father Isaac. And then there was the mama's boy. Jacob, Rebecca loved Jacob. Jacob had smooth skin. He was quiet. He preferred to stay home. And from the very beginning of time, he was in great competition with his brother. How do I know this? Because the Bible says that when the two were born, Esau was born first, And then when Jacob came out, he was holding on to the heel of his brother. But remember, God always has a plan. So today, I want to look at this story between these two brothers, this this rival that we see going on. I believe there is something that you and I can learn from what they experienced in the early years of their life. So please bear with me. I want to read several scriptures to you this morning just so you can get the foundation of the story. Genesis chapter 27, we find the story of Jacob stealing Esau's blessing. It says, One day when Isaac was old and turning blind, he called for his son Esau, and he said, My son, yes, father, Esau replied, I'm an old man now, Isaac said, and I don't know when I may die. Take your bow and quiver full of arrows and go into the open country to hunt some wild game. Hold on to that. Some wild game for me. Prepare my favorite dish and bring it here to me so I can eat. Then I'll pronounce the blessing that belongs to you, my firstborn 
son before I die. But Rebecca overheard this conversation Isaac had. So, she, so when Esau left to hunt for the wild game, she said to her son Jacob, Listen, I overheard your father say to Esau, Bring me some wild game, prepare it for me in a delicious meal, then I will bless you in the Lord's presence before I die. Now, my son, listen to me. Do exactly as I tell you. Go out to the flocks, bring me two fine young goats. I'll use them to prepare your father's favorite dish. Then take the food to your father so he can eat and bless you before he dies. But look, Jacob replied to Rebekah, my brother Esau is a hairy man and my skin is smooth. What if the, my father touches me? He'll see that I'm trying to trick him and he'll curse me instead of blessing me. But his mother replied, then let the curse fall on me, my son. Just do what I tell you. Go out and get the goats for me. So Jacob went out and got the young goats for his mother. Rebekah took them and prepared a delicious meal, just the way Isaac liked it. Then she took Esau's favorite clothes, which were there in the house, and gave them to her younger son Jacob. She covered his arms and the smooth parts of his neck with the skin of the young goats. Then she gave Jacob the delicious meal, including freshly baked bread. So Jacob took the food to his father, and he said, My father, yes, my son, who are you, Esau or Jacob? Jacob replied, I'm Esau, your firstborn son. I've done as you've told me. Here's the wild game. Now sit up and eat so you can give me your blessing. Isaac asked, How did you find it so quickly? The Lord, your God, put it in my path, Jacob replied. Then Isaac said to Jacob, come closer so I can touch you to make sure you really are Esau. So Jacob went closer to his father and Isaac touched him. The voice is Jacob's, but the hands are Esau. But he didn't recognize Jacob because Jacob's hands felt hairy like Esau's. So Isaac prepared the, to bless Jacob. But are you really my son Esau? Yes, I am, Jacob replied. Then Isaac said, now my son, bring me the wild game. Let me eat it, and then I'll give you the blessing. So Jacob took the food to his father, and Isaac ate. He also drank the wine that Jacob served him. Then Isaac said to Jacob, please come a little closer and kiss me, my son. So Jacob went over and kissed him. And when Isaac smelt the clothes, he finally was convinced and blessed his son. He said, oh, the smell of my son is like the smell of outdoors, which is the Lord's blessing. Let's skip forward just a little bit. Verse 30. And soon, as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, and almost before Jacob had left his father, Esau returned from his hunt. Esau prepared the delicious meal and brought it to his father. And he said, sit up, my father, and eat the wild game that I brought you, and then you can bless me. But Isaac asked, who are you? It's your son, your firstborn, Esau. Isaac began to tremble uncontrollably and said, then who just served me wild game? I have already eaten it, and I blessed him 
before you came. And yes, that blessing must stand. Today, I want to look at this story, the story of deceit, the story of blessing, the story of God's plan. And in this story, I've discovered that there are three errors that many times you and I make in life. You see, it's easy to sit back and look at Rebecca and look at Jacob and go, I can't believe the deceit they went through. I can't believe what they did to accomplish some personal gain in this moment. In fact, many times throughout my adulthood, I've read this story and I think, I can't believe what they did. But I realize in our daily lives, a lot of this applies to us. See, the words that God shares in the Bible aren't just stories for us to read, but it's application for us to learn from things that we need to do to improve our relationship with Him. So today, I want to look at three errors that we make in life. Number one is this. We ignore the plan of God. Don't raise your hand, but let me ask you today, how many of you have ever been guilty of ignoring the plan of God? How about those of you that are watching online? Have you ever been guilty of ignoring the plan of God? We call out to God, we ask Him for something, for some direction or something, but for one reason or another, we think that we know best. Oh, we may not doubt God, but it's almost as if we bypass his plan. We've all been there. That's exactly what we see happening on the onset of our story today. Right out of the gate, Isaac cries out to God. He says, on behalf of my wife, would you bless us with children? God honors that request. But God makes a statement that's difficult for Isaac to receive. It goes against the norm. God says, your secondborn, Jacob, he will lead the charge. Your older son, Esau, he will serve the, young, or serve the younger son. Here's the problem. Isaac favored Esau over Jacob. So we see that Isaac decides to take matters in his own hands. Apparently, Isaac trusted God enough to make a request, but not enough to follow the plan. Let me say that again. Isaac trusted God enough to make the request, but not enough to follow the plan. Someone once said it this way, don't ignore the signs that you ask God to show you. Yet how often do we do just that? We ask God, God, would you, would, God, would you show me the path that you have before me? God, would you help me to understand what you have? God, would you let me know your plan? God, would you begin to lay out the path, but for some reason, one reason or another, we choose to go the opposite way. We opt for our plan B, as if God's plan was merely a suggestion 
that we can accept or reject. Now this morning, if we turn to Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 23, it tells us this. It says, obey my voice, talking about God. Obey my voice and I will be your God and you'll be my people. And walk in all the way that I command you, that it may be well with you. God says, if you'll just obey me. If in this moment, even if you don't understand, if you'll just obey me, if, if you'll begin to take one step after the other and walk in obedience with me, I'm going to make that path in your life straight. And then Jeremiah 29, 11, it says this, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not disaster, to give you a future and hope. I wonder in your life today, what is it that you're seeking God for? He's begun to give you some of the direction. He's begun to lay out the path for you. And for one reason or another, rather than accepting that and, and holding on to that, you're pushing it to the side as if God's plan is an optional plan to accept or reject. In our story, Isaac chooses to take matters in his own hands. He sends Esau out to kill and prepare his favorite meal. And then he makes this statement, when you come back, I will bless you with the blessing that belongs to the firstborn. Now hold on. <laughs> Didn't God say that the blessing was to go to Jacob, the, the secondborn? Yet in this moment, in this situation, Esau, because of his love, I'm sorry, Isaac, because of his love for Esau, he tells Esau, go out and prepare the meal, then I will give you the blessing that is rightly yours. It's almost as if in this moment, Isaac just forgets about the word of God. Or perhaps he is simply ignoring it and desiring to do his own thing. It's Pastor Andy Stanley that says it this way. One never accomplishes the will of God by breaking the law of God, violating the principles of God, or ignoring the wisdom of God. In your situation today, maybe you're looking for that wisdom from God. Maybe God has laid things out, and for one reason or another, you're pushing it to, to the side. Can I just challenge you? Would you step into obedience with God today? Because understand this, in Isaac's time, the birthright blessing, the spoken word of the father was legally binding by the law. There was no turning back. This wasn't the only mistake that we see taking place. If you continue to read in chapter 26, Esau, when he turns 40 years old, he marries two Hittite women. Now here's the problem. The Hittites were in opposition to the Israelites and to God. This union with these women caused issues within the family. Our second error is this. 
We play God when things get tough. Oh, we ignore God's plan. And the second is we play God when things get tough. So not only did Isaac choose to take things in his own hands, his wife, Rebecca, also thought that God needed a little help. Have you ever been there before? God, you're not answering my need quite as quickly as I thought you should. God, I'm not really sure the decision that you made is the right decision, so I'm going to give you a little bit of help here. That's kind of what Rebecca was doing. In verse 5 it says, But Rebekah overheard what Isaac had said to his son Esau. So when Esau left to hunt for the wild game, she said to her son Jacob, and I found that interesting, the first portion it says, spoke to Esau's, I'm sorry, Isaac's son Esau, and now it says Rebekah's son Jacob. Do you see the struggle within the household here? She says this, listen, I overheard your father say to Esau, bring some wild game and prepare me a delicious meal that I will bless you in the Lord's presence before I die. Now, my son, listen to me. Do exactly as I tell you. Did you see what she said? She didn't say, Jacob, I want you to do exactly what God says. I want you to step back. We're just going to trust God. I know the situation seems difficult right now. I know it's not looking like it's going the direction that God said, but we're just going to trust God. We're going to sit back. We're going to rest in the Lord. We're going to be still and know that he's God. We're going to hold on to the promises of God. We're just going to be still in this moment. No, she doesn't do that, does she? She says, listen carefully to me, and I want you to do everything that I tell you. She proceeds to instruct Jacob to step into this moment of deceit with his father. So what does Jacob do? He goes out, he gets two young goats. He covers his arms and his neck with fur. He dresses like his older brother. He steps in to play God and fool Isaac. Now, this wasn't the first time that Jacob was sneaky. If you go back two chapters, chapter 25, Jacob plays on Esau's hunger. Esau had been out hunting. He comes in. He is longing for food, and Jacob has been cooking all day, and he had lentil stew on the stove, and everything smelled wonderful, and Esau says, hey, give me a bowl of that, and Jacob begins to um, argue back and forth. He says, the only way that I'm going to give you any food is if you give me your birthrights. Now, mind you, the birthright would include a double portion of the inheritance, that's an expensive bowl of lentil stew. I don't even know what lentil stew is, but I know that I wouldn't give a double portion of my inheritance. Jacob knew this, and he began this path of deceit. Now here we are. He steps in once again, but this time to fool his father, to gain a blessing. Look what it says in James chapter 3. It says, if you are wise, come on, look at your neighbor and say, are you wise? 
Come on, put it in the chat. Are you wise? If you are wise and understand God's way, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you are bitterly jealous, if there's selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. Did you see what it said in verse 13? Prove your willingness to follow the plan and will of God by living an honorable life. Now, what's happening here with Jacob and Rebekah? They're failing to truly show and demonstrate an honorable life. I look at Jacob, and it's interesting. He wasn't concerned about the moral stance. He didn't look at his mom and say, Mom, I'm not sure that God would be pleased with this. He doesn't look at his mom and say, I just don't know if this is the right thing to do. I don't know if we should step into deceit in order to gain this blessing. No, he's more concerned about being caught. What's going to happen if dad touches my arm and he realizes I've got smooth skin, I'm not a hairy beast like my brother. If he catches me, he's going to put a curse on my life. I imagine that if Rebecca and Jacob had simply gone to Isaac and had this conversation, perhaps in the moment Isaac would have reconsidered, he would have changed the plan, he would have followed after God's plan. Why? Because God always has a plan. Have you ever been guilty of trying to deceive your way through things in order to accomplish what you believed needed to take place? Come on, let me ask that again. Have you ever been guilty of trying to deceive your way through things in order to accomplish what you believed needed to take place? This time of deceit wasn't like one big moment of deceit. It was one little lie compounded with another lie, followed up with another lie, and placed upon top of that another lie. And all of this kind of built together into a massive moment of deceit. In fact, five times Jacob steps out and lies to his dad. Lie number one is found in verse 19. His father says, who is this? Who are you? Are you Jacob? Are you Esau? And, and Jacob says, it's Esau, your firstborn son. Lie number one. Lie number two, also in verse 19. Jacob says, I've done exactly what you've told me to do. Number three, here's your wild game. What did he serve him? Goat. And that's not the greatest of all times. He served him goats. And I find it interesting here that, that Isaac didn't notice the difference. In the moment, he didn't go, this is not wild game. You gave me goats. Any goat fans out there? Don't raise your hand. I don't even want to know. 
Number four, verse 20. Isaac says, how did you, how did you get this game so quickly? Jacob pulls the God card. You're God. He put the animal right in front of me. It was amazing. I've never hunted so quickly in my life. I mean, suddenly I walked out and God put it right there. He pulls God into this web of deceit. Number five, Isaac says, come closer so I can touch you. And what does Jacob do? He comes closer in the deceit of the fur that he placed upon his arms and upon his neck. Once again, he fooled his father. One small lie piled upon the next, joined together with another, and the cycle continues. In the old poem by Sir Walter Scott, he makes this statement, Oh, what a tangled web we weave. When first we practice to deceive. This is the path that Jacob found himself upon. And I wonder in this situation, at what point did he think there's no turning back? I'm in too deep. I've got to finish this thing. I've got to go all the way. So he piles more and more and more lies upon the story. I'm reminded of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It says, for we live as Christians, for we live by faith, not by sight. It literally means we conduct ourselves by faith. The situation around us may not make complete sense to us. It may look like things are going in opposition to what God had planned but we must learn to walk by faith, to conduct ourselves by faith, to lean upon the things of God, to trust in Him, the choices that we make, the path that we follow, we move forward in faith. But for Jacob, faith was bypassed, and personal gain was the goal. In your life, what does that look like? Have you been guilty of throwing small white lies out there just to cover yourselves or maybe even for a bit of personal gain? It's theologian Warren Wearsby that says it this way, remember faith is living without scheming. Come on, let that sink in just for a moment. Faith is living without scheming. Faith means obeying God no matter how we feel, what we think, or what might happen. Jacob and Rebekah had seemingly lost their faith and their trust in God. It came at a high price. I want you to know that this path of deceit soon caught up with the two of them. Esau the hatred that he had for his brother began to grow to the point that he was making plans to kill Jacob. So Jacob flees for his life. He goes to live with his uncle Laban. Both Rebekah and Jacob face consequences. Rebekah never saw her baby boy again. Error number three, we trust a feeling more than God. 
We trust a feeling more than God. Have you ever made this statement? Well, I just have a feeling. I, I, just, I just have a feeling on this. Now, don't get me wrong. There are times, yes, that's the leading of the Holy Spirit. But there are moments that this is just wishful thinking or excitement beginning to set in. That's where we must implement the instruction found in Matthew chapter 6. It says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added. Now, if you go back a little bit earlier in Matthew chapter 6, he talks about don't worry about what you're going to wear. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about all these things. And then he goes on to say, but seek first the kingdom of God. Rely upon God, trust in God, depend upon God. Make Him your central focus. And, and when you do these things, everything's going to fall into place. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that when you trust in God, life is perfect. Jesus said Himself, He said, in this world, you're going to have problems. You're going to face difficulty. You're going to face opposition. You're going to have struggles that you encounter. There's going to be moments of tension in life. Why? Because that's life. Life's not perfect. But Jesus goes on in John chapter 16, verse 33. He says, you're going to have problems, but here's hope. I've overcome the world. And I love this. Jesus could have said, hey, here's some hope. I've overcome your problems. And that would have been pretty amazing. He could have said, you're going to face opposition, but here's hope. I've overcome your opposition. You're going to face struggles, but, but here's hope. I've overcome your struggles. But he steps out and he says, no matter what you bring to the table, no matter what you experience, no matter what you go through in life, no matter what comes along your way, I want you to know I've already overcome it for you. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek his righteousness. And all of this will be added to you. In this moment, Isaac is now blind, he's bedridden, seemingly relying upon his own senses rather than God. He relied upon his taste in verse 4, 9, and 25. He relied upon touch in verse 21, his hearing in verse 22, and smell in verse 27. But each of these failed him. Then I read in Proverbs chapter 19, it says, we humans keep brainstorming options and plans. But God's purpose prevails. Look at this. God always has a plan. Oh, Isaac thought that he had one. He told Esau to go out and, and kill the food and, and cook the food and prepare the meal and bring it back. And he would present the blessing to his favorite son, his firstborn. But God always has a plan. 
God stated from the very beginning that Jacob would be the one to receive the blessing. There are going to be moments in your life when you have a choice to make. Do you simply follow a feeling? Do you follow your own thoughts or do you lean upon the things of God? I want to challenge you today that as you step into this new week, put aside your own ambitions. Begin to trust the plan of God. Look what it says in Psalm 37. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they may never fall. For the Lord holds them by his hand. Though they stumble, they will never fall. I know some of you today, you're thinking, Pastor, that verse missed it because I've fallen several times. Oh, God's got your hand. You may think you've fallen as a stumble. God's got your hand. God's holding on to you today. He says, even in the midst of opposition, even in the midst of the struggle, even in the midst of the difficulty, if you will just lean on me, I've got a plan for your life that plans for hope and a future, not destruction. The path that you seem to be going down right now, it seems like things are going away from the things of God. If you will turn to God and seek after God, God's got a plan. Would you lean upon him today? Would you trust him today? He wants to take you in a direction that you've never been before. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to the Encounter Church podcast. We pray that this message was a blessing and an encouragement to you.